This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Greg is not here today. Laddie is uh, trapped in this snowstorm, this snowpocalypse, this snow hell. But fear not, dear listeners. Andy Cole, the A-Dog, is still here. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. How is everybody doing, first that was, and foremost? That was a good intro. Thank you. Yeah, he, I was kidding. Are we all sick here? No. No, but I, you know, I got it in like 10 minutes So Andy earlier called, than normal, and yeah. Greg is like, so I'm not making it in today. I'm like, oh, great. So there's a lot to do right now, and uh, the intro is not on the top. So of let's this. set the stage for what's going on right now. Obviously, if you're in your vehicle right now, uh, you are dealing with a treacherous commute, plain and simple. I don't know how else to put it. I don't believe that it is very safe anywhere on the roads. So if you are joining us, Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 651, we hope we can help you get through what could be a very stressful morning. And two, drive safe, be safe, drive slow, keep your eyes open. Don't close them when you're driving, of course. Uh, it is going to be uh, a kind of patch and touch and go show here. Laddie tried to get in this morning, was unable to. Because his car couldn't get out of the snow, so we're working a little shorthanded here. But bear with us. We will get through the next three hours. And we'll bring a little joy to your life by talking about the local hockey squadron, the Vancouver Canucks. Before we do any of that, a little business to attend to here. Halford and Breath in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are also coming to you li- live, as I mentioned, from the Kintech studios. Jason... Tell the folks more about Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I am going to apologize for my voice right now. Mm-hmm. It was busy last night, coughing. My voice decided to cough all night. Yep. And then I wake up and I see 600 feet of snow and I go, this is going to be a grand day. At right. least the kids are home. So we're shorthanded staff-wise. Yeah. You had a night. Uh, you're obviously playing with a bit of a bug, a bit of a knock. I don't want to, I don't use the term hero lightly, but this man to my right is a Canadian hero wearing, uh, yeah. I, I think that is described as a key lime pie shirt. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, have my eyes open. I was across open. great on camera too. <laughs> I didn't have my eyes open when I got, got dressed this morning. So I've got a, uh, it feels like there's a big Seahawks game coming up, and I'm wearing a T-shirt that's neon green. Right, but not that big because the shirt's kind of faded. It's just big enough. It's like a 7-7 seven and seven kind of shirt. Okay, uh, here's what's on the show today as we try and navigate you through what's going to be a pretty wild morning. 6.30, Stephen Wino is going to join us. Good friend of the program, uh, longtime NHL writer for the Associated Press, now the author of a new book. About the backup and emergency goalie. So we'll talk to Wino at that, about that at 6.30. We can also ask him about uh, the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin, a team and a player that he's covered for an awfully long time. 7.30, it's the Drancer, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. We will talk to the Drancer about, God bless him, yet another 5-1 loss for the Vancouver Canucks. This time against the St. Louis Blues. 
But it was also at home, so there's a nice little so, symmetry to it all. So sometimes Mike and I will poke fun at, at Drance's writing style, um, which I think you would recognize. Like, if you were to read an article in The Athletic, you'd be like, this one's a Drancer. First of all, because it'd be about the Canucks, and it'd be quite critical. Um, mm. Drancer, um, I would say nine times out of ten, his articles include the phrase, make no mistake. Yes. Like, he's like, make no mistake. Make no this mistake. This Canucks team is terrible. He wrote such a scathing article after last night's game that it was a two make no mistaker. There were two. There were, there were two make no mistakes. He just didn't want anyone to make a mistake. Do not make a mistake. When, like in the same sentence, like make no mistake. Make no, no mistake. No. One earlier oh, in the I, story I where that. he's like, make no mistake. <laughs> this team isn't very good. He had to like do it again. He's like, and make no mistake. Yeah. This team is not good. I don't want you to people to misunderstand me like, here. Like no one, yeah. no one should make a mistake. Mistakes when they read shall not this be article made. That the Canucks are struggling. Uh, so seven thirty, the Drancer is going to join us to look back on whatever that was last night. We've got some audio where, quite honestly, nobody had an answer. Luke Shen didn't have an answer. Bo Horvat didn't have an answer. Bruce Boudreau didn't have an answer for the fifth. Count them. Fifth, five-one loss at home. They played fifteen games at home this year. A third of them have been five-one losses. That's a remarkable stat. I that is really they broke a record apparently. Yeah, it, and, and we're so early. It's the infancy of the season. It's not even 2023 yet. It will be eventually, I think. Uh, Eight o'clock. Greg Wyshynski is going to join us on the program. We'll whip around the NHL with our good buddy Greg. Look at some of the other stories that don't involve consecutive five-one losses at home. Uh, there's eight games in the NHL tonight. Rangers and Penguins is a good one. Tampa Bay and Toronto they renew the playoff rivalry from a year ago. Ottawa and Tampa Bay, Calgary and San Jose. There's five NBA games as well. I mentioned what's on the telly today and tonight because I got a feeling a lot of people are going to be staying indoors today. I got a feeling it's going to be a lot of indoor time for the humanoids. Do you know what? I feel a little bit foolish for um, putting my garbage out last night. Oh, right. You could have done it this morning. <laughs> Has it disappeared? No. This meeting. They'll do idiot. it. They'll do it. They won't. They'll do it. A thousand percent. Garbagemen. The garbage, the garbage, garbage is not getting are the, the, no the, They're a cultural fabric and they do not let us down. My, the guys came yesterday. There was like a foot of snow on there. They did it. Uh, they were, they were no, snow I'm making a promise. Go really? get him, Garbageman. No, Another bet you want to lose? No, I don't know. We'll see. Go get him, Garbageman. Go get him. Okay. Uh, so in reverse, 8 o'clock, Wyshynski, 7.30, Drancer, 6.30, Stephen Wino. That's the guest list. Uh, now we need to do that thing that we do where we tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed you missed that? Canucks lose! Canucks lose, as you probably guessed, having listened to the intro, the Canucks have lost yet again. Jordan Cairo with his first, first ever NHL hat trick. Uh, the Blues take care of the Canucks 5-1 at Rogers Arena on Monday night in front of what ended up being a very sparse, because a lot of people left, a very disappointed, a very dejected, and at times a very angry crowd with all reason and all right to be. Again, I will mention it just for emphasis' sake, 5 5-1 losses at home this year in the 15 games the Canucks have played at Rogers Arena. Yeah, they, they started fine, but they couldn't score, and then it all went to hell. That would be my lead paragraph if I was writing that game. Um, Mikheyev had the only goal for the Canucks. It tied the game at 1. Uh, the Blues quickly came back and made it 2-1, so the fans there didn't even have a chance to really enjoy um, the tie. 
as as you do, you know, when you go to a Canucks game, you're just like, man, I, I hope at some point the game is tied. One all, that would be such a treat. And then it was 2-1, and then it was 3-1, and then people started going, I bet they're going to lose 5-1 again. And wouldn't you know it? They lost 5-1. And you cannot keep losing like this in front of your paying customers. No. It does not happen in pro sports without serious consequences. This is ridiculous. What is happening right now <laughs> is ridiculous. I don't mean With to this, laugh. I no, no, no. This, this, this team, I mean, what are you going to do? You might as well laugh. The, the, the if you, if you get frustrated and throw your hands in the air and you know like it is only sports but you know it's something that means a lot to the people that listen to the show and this team right now is is absolutely dreadful and even worse than that there's no hope for the future the team is capped out they can't they can't even afford listen they are so screwed that they cannot afford to keep this team together right they got to make like, do you there know are going to be departures. I'm trying not to swear here. Okay. It's so dire right now. It is so dire. Please don't swear. For this team. They cannot afford to keep this bad team together. Mm -hmm. They are probably going to lose the captain. They have no prospects coming. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Outside of Jonathan Lekaramaki and Paul Colson. Lekaramaki's off to a terrible start in his draft year. Paul Colson down in the AHL. <laughs> Like, what what is this management group and ownership group thinking? And I will mention ownership because ownership heard the chants last night. And I don't think those chants are going away until this team turns it around a little bit. Yeah. So I, that, that's going to be the target now. That That is going to be the target. And it is going to be um, very interesting to see how that plays out. Because you can chant to fire the coach – you can chant to fire the GM, but when you start chanting, sell the team, that's when, if I was the owner, I'm honestly trying to put myself in the shoes of ownership, and I'm looking at this group right now, and I'm paying them millions of dollars, and I've committed millions of dollars, and they are giving me nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest, for me, the biggest issue right now and what's exacerbating how bad this team is, is the incessant clunkers in front of the paying customers. You can be a bad NHL team, and you can do it in a lot of different ways. You can be winless on the road. You can be like the Anaheim Ducks with the, just the one regulation win through the first 29 games of the season. But I keep coming back to it, is that there have been some inspired wins away from Rogers Arena, not many of them. But even the way, like, think about what you've been privy to at home this year. You had the comeback win against Montreal, which was a, a game that was lit littered with issues and problems. You had another high-scoring affair against the Ducks. And then you go down the list of the most lopsided scores at home. And there's five different ones. And you set the tone so early in the season in that home opener against Buffalo, where you lost by, might I remind everyone, the same 5-1 score. Like, we, I've covered a lot of different teams both NHL-wide and within Vancouver. And I honestly don't remember a team that almost looks like it's consciously putting up awful performances, specifically at home. Like they're either not ready to play or there's no energy from a fan base that is giving as much as they can give, and the results are here. Now, I will say this. Um, it, in, for the sole purpose of like clarity and fairness, uh, that last night is, and a lot of these 5-1 losses 
especially recently, the last two, are the direct example of what happens when a not very good team loses its two best players because Demko and Pedersen are not there. That team doesn't look like it can compete on a nightly no. basis in the NHL, right? Well, I, well, you know what I mean. Well, where was the fifty-six dollar, fifty-six million dollar man, JT Miller? Exactly. Did That's you even a problem, notice him? right? That is a huge problem. How much are the Canucks paying Oliver Ekman Larson right now? How much are they overpaying Ekman? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just how much sense? are they paying him? I think he's making ten million in salary, yeah, yeah. and he was dreadful last night. He doesn't look like he can move. Yeah, the, I, 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 you know, I know, I know, people are are getting tired of us coming on the show and and uh, ripping the Canucks so hard and saying, like, there's no hope. But here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to convince enough people that the only way forward is with an aggressive rebuild, tear it down, no one's untouchable, start again. That's honestly – that I'm not, I'm not trying to just create buzz or whatever. You know I don't do that. Buzzy. I don't like doing that. I think it's bad – sports radio when people you know go over the top with that stuff but this team is so rotten the core is so rotten that it needs to be shaken up it needs to be shaken up and thrown out Mm -hmm. and you start again no i I, look it there's very little evidence right now to count (laughs) to counter your argument i know another good part of sports talk radio is the debate part of it but i would i would look at last night and my number one takeaway would be, this is what you surrounded two of your three best players with, two of your core players with, right? Because if, if your core, theoretically, and we've hammered this home to death, and this is not news to anyone, is Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko, two-thirds of them were gone last night, mm-hmm. which happens to a lot of different NHL teams throughout the course of the year. You often hear these teams say, well, when the going gets tough and it's next man up, we got to rely on our structure and we got to rely on other guys making contributions. Since Pedersen's gone out of the lineup the last two games, he scored two goals. They've been outscored 10 to 2. You can't fall off a cliff in the NHL. It's because they don't have a system. They don't have structure. Winnipeg you know, came in on Saturday night. So why is Bruce still the coach, honestly? Because I, it, I don't think they know what they're doing with the coaching position right now. If it wasn't Christmas, that's the type of game that gets a coach fired. Well, Although, yeah. you know what? How many games have the Canucks played this year that you're like, that's the type of game... You play, especially at home, where the coach gets fired. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't disagree. You lose ten to two in consecutive home games on the aggregate, and you put up just this sort of listless effort where nothing really goes right in any facet. Power play. So last night, power play scoreless. Martin's bad. There's bad reads on defense. You got a pop gun offense that can't get anything going. You're kind of playing out the string in the third period just on running time, as Shorty alluded to it, and then you're left with a coach that. Again, talk about broken records. Time and time again, does not have answers. Now, A-Dog, let's roll through some of the Bruce Boudreaux audio here from last night. Because the the exasperation and the flabbergastation. You like that one? Flabbergastation? Was he was he flummoxed again? He, by, there was, there, he was confused by the performance of the team? Well, Bruce. There was a flummoxing. You have enough of these, maybe this is the team. Yeah, and I think that's what we're all slowly, and some of us quickly, are coming to the realization here. Do we have the audio ready, Andy? This is Bruce Boudreaux talking about the 10 bell issues that this team makes, the 10 bell mistakes that this team makes on a repeated effort. And it's gone from being, well, maybe we can keep working on this and getting it better to maybe this is what we are. Here's the head coach following a 5-1 loss uh, last night to the St. Louis Blues. I thought the effort was was better tonight for the most part. and um, uh, But, I mean, the mistakes uh, 
when we make a mistake, it's a 10-bell mistake. It's not uh, uh, the puck bouncing over your stick and then something happening. We're, uh, we're doing stuff that, you know, if you're there every day, you know we practice this stuff every day and, and uh, get better at it every day. And then in the game, it's like uh, our mind goes a little off when we're trying to do it all by ourselves a little bit. So the Canucks have 26 home dates remaining. I want to put this out here for context. 26 home games remaining until the end of the season. And already, through 15 of them, Bruce Boudreaux has been asked, I think on three separate occasions, what it's like and what it feels like to be booed off home ice by your paying customers. Right? Because it's there's been five games of 5-1, and I would say in at least three of them, there's been a cacophony of boos. So last night it was boos, B-O-O-S, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was plenty of B-O-O-Z-E as well. But there was that. Um, there was the sell the team chants, which was funny. One of my guy that I would know that, at the game, he's like, yeah, they were they were chanting fire Alvin last night. I'm like, I don't think that's what they were chanting, but I think you might want to listen a little closer to the crowd. Uh, there was, you know, pictures floating around social media, fans with bags over their heads, like comical. There were stories going around that security was positioned to keep people from throwing jerseys on the ice. Like people were right. like, I'm going to go for it. And they're like, no, you're not. It's like, that's the new rushing the stage. Right. Yeah. Canucks games is security going, okay, I'm not going to let you throw your jersey on the ice. Yeah. You know, remember when I was saying yesterday um, how... Five or six years ago, we were sitting there going like, oh, God, I hope the Canucks don't turn into the Sabres or the Oilers. And then I said, like, I hate to break it to you, but we're there. Mm-hmm. Like, we are there right now. This team reminds me of the Leafs team that um, would have these performances at home. And you remember there was like the whole thing with the Leafs team where – they, they wouldn't salute the fans because they were mad at the fans. Yep. Like, it was so ugly. People were throwing jerseys on the ice. Were there waffles on the ice? There was something that like was, waffles. It was, it was like Fnuff, Kef, Kessel, Lupel, yeah. all those guys. So, and it eventually got so bad that the ownership there said, okay, we got to bring in Brendan Shanahan. And Brendan Shanahan took a year, and he looked at the whole operation, and I guess no one else was the GM there. And after a year, after a year, he said, okay, everyone's fired. We are starting again. We're starting with a new philosophy. We are going to be bad. Then they brought in Babcock. They traded away Kessel after just extending him. And they completely charted a new direction for the team. Now, did they get a little bit lucky when they won the draft lottery and had and, and got Austin Matthews. Yeah, but that was part of the plan. They were intentionally one of the worst teams in the NHL. They got their reward for that. And look at them now. Still haven't won a first-round playoff. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they're a pretty good team. I think most Canucks fans would take what the Leafs fans have been through over the last few years than what the Canucks have. And I just, I just wonder. I wonder what it's going to take if there's anything at all for the Canucks to go down that route because I think more and more people are saying that's what's needed. Yeah. Um, and more and more people are going to start chanting at the owner during these games. And that is a very, very uncomfortable situation right. for the owner, 
for the people that are selling corporate sponsorships, for the people that are selling season tickets, for the people that are running the business of the team. Yeah, and that's the big point right now, right, is how much confidence has been eroded in the ardent supporters of this team. They're still they're still out there. I know they are. I see them on Twitter. I see them in the Dunbar Lumber text message in Masket. There's still people that are so completely defiant to what's been in front of them that this is going to be great and that we're being too negative and this is negative media spin and they don't want to hear it. Those people's support will eventually be eroded. The big, and I think you bring up a really good point with regards to where the Leafs were at in their genesis because it got to a tipping point in their own barn. That was the big difference. I mean, Brian Burke came out and said it with Ron Wilson. When they started chanting, fire Wilson, louder than I could hear and louder than I could think, I knew it was time to move on. And then eventually the fans realized that, oh, wait a minute. We do kind of have a say here because if the situation becomes so untenable, the people in charge are going to be forced to, I guess, acquiesce to what not necessarily the fans want, but to how displeased they are with the current product because of the amount that they're paying to watch the current product. So again, I circle back to the audio. This is Bruce Boudreaux for, I guess I would say, the third or fourth time this year being asked what it's like to be booed off home ice at Rogers Arena. A-Dog, take it away. We don't, look at, I I hate being booed. Like, I mean, in life you hate being booed, right? And and, uh, you know they have the right to do it when they don't have uh, what they deem is the success that they'd like to see. And uh, so that, that, that's a hard pill to swallow, but I mean, um, you know, we'd like to we'd like to be forty-one and zero at home, and uh, and make it, you know, uh, tough for teams to come into this building and, and win. But right now, that's just not happening. I mean, there's still a lot of home games left, and uh, we firmly believe that we'd much rather play at home than on the road, no matter what has happened in the last couple of weeks. But uh, uh, hopefully. We'll dig ourselves out of this home rut, and, and, and if we can continue playing well on the road, then good things should happen. He is the most relentlessly positive guy I think I've ever seen in my life, by the way. I cannot believe that he... Oh, do, you, do you buy what he's saying? Yes, do you buy I, that he w- believes it? Um, I, I think he, he actually... We didn't have the quote, but I listened to the whole thing. He actually went on to kind of go a little bit deeper on it, and he said, look, guys... Like, and he kind of gave the, the, the pause where it's like, I know what I'm dealing with here. But he said, if I... Don't give a sense of belief that we can win. Then what am I even doing here? So it's not necessarily that he believes in the group or he believes in the core, but it's almost like a perfunctory part of the job that yeah, you have to believe is that, to do that. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, at times he also said that he's never had a losing record as a coach in the NHL, and I said, "Well, you're going to have one." I get like that's a great point to bring up too. This is a guy with 600 career NHL victories, right? So let's go on a limb and say maybe this isn't a Bruce Boudreaux thing. Because every other place that he's gone, he's had a lot of wins and a lot of success in the regular season, right? And part of that is because he's a motivator, super positive guy, makes guys happy and to remind them that they're playing hockey for a living. And guys usually respond, not here, not with this team, not this season. Uh, We got a, a bunch of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's one. It's not defiance to support your team. Good or bad, fans do support their team, and that's a great fan. Look at the Raiders fans, Browns fans. Thick or thin, they are cheering their on. Buddy, if you don't think that Raiders fans and Browns fans have been upset, do you, do you, do you see – have you ever seen anything ever? Because Browns fans and Raiders fans are some of the most 
angry, frustrated fans there are. Nobody is suggesting that people stop being Canucks fans. What we are suggesting is for the love of the team Mm -hmm. to go out there and make your opinions felt that you want to see change. Imagine thinking that Browns fans don't ever get frustrated. Yeah, that was not that they constantly cheer on their team for better or worse. Yeah. I'm hoping that this text was just written poorly. And somehow that they meant to agree with whatever we're talking about. Because I don't know how you can take Browns. One of the originators of the paper bags over the heads at football games were a constantly unifying uh, group of support for the football team. Like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. That one got on the air there. But, uh, okay. Uh, one, I want to say this. We already got a text from a hardworking garbage man that's out there right now doing the business this morning. Saying that they're out there doing their collections. Well, I mean. My good- grandfather was a, a garbage man. True story. Uh. Well, good for them if they are, and uh, good luck. And and honestly, everyone, everyone who is working in this or has to drive, please stay safe. Uh, We do care about you. And, um, you know, just do your best because that's all that anyone's going to be asking of you today. Uh, Lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Garbage guy guy Josh, by the way. Thanks for writing in. You're listening to the best of the day. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh two on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. I see you stumbled upon a theme for today. Hip hop and Christmas together at last. Had you guys some some guy stuck in the snow in his car <laughs> listening to the show. And this is the music that comes up. <laughs> the crossover between rap and Xmas. It's very limited. It's not explored enough, I don't think. You got Christmas and Hollis with Run DMC. Yep. Um, I think Curtis Blow had Christmas rapping. Okay. And interestingly enough, Outcast, hmm. Players Ball. Right. They were originally tasked by their label to come up with a Christmas song, in which they replied, "Why are you trying to ruin our careers before they even got started?" This was back in like '95. <laughs> So they actually wrote Players Ball as their response to a Christmas song because that was what all the players did on Christmas Day back in the day. Fun little fact there for you. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier Metal Recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. You put forth a little exercise prior to going to the break, and the the, the people have responded, which is Mm -hmm. great. So reset all this for us. So the question is, can the Canucks, in theory, win a Stanley Cup if Petey and Hughes are their two best players? So no one can be better than PD and Hughes. You can fill out the roster with a bunch of really good players. Now you have to be realistic within the salary cap. And, you know, 
but nobody can be better than those two. So PD's your number one center. Hughes is your number one defenseman. And mm. both those guys are even better than, in theory, your goalie. The second part of the question is, how likely is it that the Canucks can do that while PD and Hughes are still in their primes? Now, for the most part, people have answered yes to the first question. Okay. So we've got this one. Absolutely, it's possible. Petey can be considered a generational talent. It's going to depend on if this management group can make the space they need. Okay. I think you're throwing around generational a little bit too uh, loosely there. Very liberal. Um, But fair enough. Petey is a very good player. And I think Petey, if he keeps working on his game, he could be capable of winning or at least being in the race for a major award, maybe the Selkie. Or even if he really takes it to another level, mm-hmm. the heart. Now, the competition for the heart is extremely high. We're talking about McDavid and McKinnon and Kale McCarr, like very, very good players. But that's what you have to match up to yep. in order to win the Stanley Cup. When the Canucks were in the Stanley Cup final, most recently they had a heart trophy winner in Henrik Sedin. They had... Uh, a Selkie winner and Ryan Kessler, and they had a Hall of Fame goalie, and they still couldn't get it done. But that is the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, there, Here's another one. Uh, yes, for sure, they can do that, and actually easily. Okay, easily. Petey can be better than anyone on the Blues team that won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Hughes can have a Petrangelo-type impact although it would be different stylistically. I think a lot of people look at that St. Louis team and go, if that team can win the Stanley Cup, maybe you don't need the greatest team of all time to so win the Stanley Cup. The, in, to keep in this vein with the conversation of the question you put out there, their PD and Hughes were Ryan O'Reilly and Alex Petrangelo yeah. when they won. Mm-hmm. Good. Good players both. O'Reilly was fantastic that season. He won the Selkie that year. Yeah, and Petrangelo, while not a Norris winner, has always been knocking on the door of being one of the elite defenders in the NHL. Mm -hmm. I'd probably say, compared to more recent, and we're just going with the duos here. So Colorado's is, I would say, uh, the bar right now, the standard, the par excellence, right? Incredible, yeah. Where it's McKinnon and McCarr. And I think that that Avs team last year might have been the best team of the salary cap era, maybe one of the Tampa Bay teams was, but so like you don't have to quite reach that bar. Tampa you have Bay to reach though, a very high bar. The, t- the previous two Stanley Cups prior to Colorado's were won by Tampa Bay. Take your pick at who the best forward is. For sake of argument, I'll say Kucherov. Yeah, say Kucherov and Hedman, really, really good duo. Right, first talk- ballot Hall of Famers. Well, yeah. you're talking about a Hart Trophy guy and a yeah, Norris first guy. ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, uh, the Blues we already went through back. One pre- previous, Washington, you'd say, okay, John Carlson and Alex Ovechkin. Do you think Ovi's going to make the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Who's and you know one? who was really good that year, too, was Kuznetsov. Yes, and then go back to the two back-to-back Stanley Cup champions from Pittsburgh, and it was Crosby, and then in one it was Latang, And then the second one was the anomaly where they didn't have the elite blue liner. But point remains. Um, there is a blueprint there, and I see what you're getting at with the question, where if you have those two pieces – Really, number one center, number one defenseman. Right? That's the blueprint. You need those two pieces. Otherwise, you're kind of not, you're spent, you're shot. It's not going to happen. Now, the question is can these two, and by that we mean Pedersen and Hughes, be in that echelon to where they're touching? 
I guess for lack of a better way to say it, uh, can they touch O'Reilly and Petrangelo in terms of status and ability and, you know, talent to go and win championships? So here's a dissenter, Robin Surrey. No, the Canucks cannot win a cup with Pedersen and Hughes as their top two players. Not a chance. PD tends to vanish from time to time and doesn't have the heart or grit to be a good playoff performer. And although Hughes puts up good numbers, he's terrible defensively. If I'm not mistaken, he's a defenseman, which is kind of a problem. So you're going to have the dissent on this. But, for, but, but I think if we, if we did a vote, if we did a vote, mm-hmm. the answer would be yes in theory. Now, the tougher part is can they do it? Can they put together this great supporting cast that obviously – even the greats like McKinnon and Makar and Kucherov and Hedman and Sid and Gino and Latang, the supporting cast, can they put that together in time mm-hmm. for Petey and Hughes to still be in their primes? Now, Hughes is 23, I think. Petey is 24. So let's be generous here and say their primes are until they're like 31 or 32. Okay? That's, yep. that's generous. That's very generous, yeah. So you're giving eight years there. Mm-hmm. Now, the unfortunate part for me in all this is like, I think that your best chance of winning a Stanley Cup is not to do the whole like, all right, we're going to aim for this one year, or maybe it's going to be a two-year window when we're really going to go for it, mm-hmm. right? And that's what is discouraging about this situation because I don't think the Canucks are within, even if they make all the right moves over the next little while, I'm talking like pulling some rabbits out of the hat mm-hmm. in order to get rid of bad contracts, finding some young players however they can, developing better down in the AHL. I think at minimum they're three years away. And I think that's being generous. Sure. I think that's being generous. So at that point, you got PD uh, is what, 27 or 28, mm-hmm. and Hughes is 26 or 27. And that is the most that is the most generous timeline I think I can provide. Yep. So is that something that you should bet on? Should you bet on that being the best route? Keeping those two together and going, all right, we're just going to try our best to try and put together a good team for those guys so they can take a shot. Right, because inherent in that explanation – is that the the pieces you surround those two with can't just be adequate, and you no, can't really miss. It have on to be all. fantastic. Well, again, I, we, so Colorado, and I know it's a high bar, but that's the reality of the situation. The defending Stanley Cup champions, they had the blueprint where they had McCarr and McKinnon. Oh, by the way, they also had Rantanen, Landeskog, Kadri, Taves, Bowen Byram. Like, take your pick on the amount of good. Really, really good, high-end, quality, surrounding pieces, right? And I'm not saying that Landis Cog and Rantanen are spare pieces, but they're not the guys. The drivers on that team are McKinnon and McCarr. So, again, go back to the Canucks. Now, I there, there are going to be people that are going to push back and say, it's, you can't even do it with these two guys. Like, I was talking to someone the other day, uh, a hockey analyst I respect, very well. It wasn't me, was it? No, I said respect. Yep. And oh, res- sorry, respect. sorry. Respect yeah. is the key I, word. I, I right. mis- misheard you. I thought you said hate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then I talked to one that I hated for three hours every day for the rest of my life. No, um, I was talking to someone. He worked for an NHL team before, and he threw out, and it blew my mind until I started looking at it. 
He said, I know everyone loves Quinn Hughes, and I know Vancouver hasn't had a defenseman of this caliber for the 52 years that the franchise has been in existence. But he's like, honestly, if you look at the, the comparables historically and what he might end up being, he might end up being Brian Campbell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian Campbell. Yeah. 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 He hasn't he hasn't found his he, he's not defensively, he's not Duncan Keith. And this is the comparison I always use mm-hmm. because Quinn Hughes himself either when he was drafted or soon after he was drafted, I remember reading a story and saying, like, the one player I really admire is Duncan Keith. And he said, it's not because he's he's an undersized guy like me. It's not because he puts up points. It's because of his intensity and his commitment to playing in all areas of the ice. And right now... I just want to... I mean, like, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I just no, no, I'm just saying I, I don't see him as a defensive answer right now. And I think you need your number one defenseman to be able to play in all situations. I'm not trying to even... He's still the best defenseman in Canucks history, but right. that, but that's a low bar. That's yep. a bit, Now, I want to table that for a sec because that's important on all this. But I'm not saying this to try and diminish or underscore like how good Brian Campbell was. As a matter of fact, I think history will show that he was a lot better than everyone thought he was. And everyone thought he was pretty good, right? Won a Stanley Cup. Four-time All-Star, uh, he, just a really good player in an era where defensemen aren't racking up points like they are right now. But I do think, and this is after watching Hughes play a lot of games now, that um, the ghosts of Canucks' seasons past and the franchise's total inability to ever land a qu- defenseman of that caliber has really thrown off kilter our understanding of what he is and what he might be. Well, he needs a Chris Tanev. Like, that's what he needs. And until he develops the defensive end of his game, which maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't know. Yeah. Here's until what... that happens, though, he needs a Tanev. He needs a guy that's awesome in his own end. Doesn't have to be a good offensive powerhouse. Just needs to be solid. But that's, a, but that's not what I'm getting at, like what he needs. What I'm saying is, is that what he is. his ceiling is maybe not what everyone locally thought it was oh, going yeah, to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I th- and that's a fa- and it's not a bad thing. No, some guys aren't a terrific defensemen. Yeah, some guys aren't destined to be one of the greatest generation, one of the greatest defensemen of their generations. They're not intended to be yeah. Norris caliber yeah, or Norris be McCarr, for example. Yeah, but I'm, but I wonder if there's going to be a gap between him and some other guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always a gap, right? But well, I think when we thought when he broke in that there wasn't going to be when he broke in, I remember thinking this is a guy with the talent to be like Niedermeyer esque, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And yeah. I'm not sure or that Keith esque, right? and I'm not sure that that's there right now. Mm-hmm. I think he could still end up being a guy that flirts with being a really good number one defenseman, but is never going to be one of those guys that's hoisting hardware at the end of the year, be it Stanley Cup, Conn Smythe, or the Norris. Right? That's just. I like this text. Brian Campbell would also be the best defenseman in Canucks history. Well, see, there's the that, there you go. No, that's that's very true, right? And that's what you kind of have to consider. Now, I think Patterson is on a, a slightly different plane. Mm. I think his ceiling is higher. But here's the thing: the competition to be an elite number one center is just as high as trying to be an elite number one Norris caliber defenseman. So, when you start saying, "Is PD the guy that you want to build around to win a cup?" You've got to say. How's he going to do in those matchups with three guys? I always bring up three guys in particular, and they're all the M's. Uh, McKinnon, Matthews, and uh, McDavid. And, and that, that's the, the bar. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. If you're not in that conversation, or you're not at least in the conversation to say, like, can you beat them? Not with regularity, but can you match up? That's I think where it's he, at. I think he can be in the conversation as one of the best two-way players yeah, two way forward. Yeah, and I, think, I really I do. Think he can too. He, he's got he's got such tremendous instincts 
uh, both offensively and defensively. He just sees the game really well. Um, so I think I think PD is I, I think PD is their best player. He wasn't last year, mm-hmm. but he he is their best player right now on this team. Um, I guess the whole thing again though is if you're talking about what's the best path forward, is this team legitimately going to be able to build a good enough supporting cast? So think about what a good supporting cast well, is Well, compare to maybe of. Bergeron. Like if you're talking about a best, like a two-way player. Well, no, no, no. Just, just like think of what a good supporting cast looks like, right? You've usually signed some veterans um, that are – you're gonna pay. You're gonna you're gonna pay them UFA years, but they're gonna deliver on those contracts, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, um, Dan Hamuse, for example, when the Canucks signed him. But you're also gonna need to find some really good value pickups, and that's either really good scouting or good development, yep. or they're just young and cheap. They're young, cheap labor, and, and they, right yeah. now the Canucks aren't even close to providing that level of support. Mm-hmm. they have so much to tear down first before they get the supporting cast. And that's going to be one of the toughest things. Um, but I don't hear again. Okay, now just to get into the, the frustrating part of the conversation is I'm not, uh, I'm not at all convinced that uh, the managerial group is going to go down that road. And it's, it's kind of pains me to say it out loud, but I think that they are very much of the look at what St. Louis did get into the dance and see what happens. Your goalie goes on a heater. Your guys, you know, start playing really well at a certain time. And it's not a long-term sustainable plan. It's we just are good enough to get in and then see what happens when we get in. Right? And I think what they're looking at are teams like St. Louis, who just kind of got in and went on a run, and then that looks like it was an anomaly, but they still did it. Remember when Washington won in 2018? That kind of came out of nowhere, too. They were down 2 nothing in that opening round series to Columbus, and a lot of people thought the window would slam shut on them. And I think that part of it has to do with what they inherited. Again, I don't really agree with any of any of what I think is going on, but this is what I think is going on, right? The Miller contract would suggest that that's the thought process. Bringing in players that are around the age of 23 to 25 would suggest that that's the process. Yeah. Not cutting ties yet and still probably going to make that one final push to re-sign Bo Horvat. Leads me to believe that. The conversation about extending Luke Shen leads me to believe that. It's more of a live in the day, win now. And then as Alvin said, kind of awkwardly, but I got the point of what he was trying to say. It's like, you just keep building and you just, just keep getting better. Now, just keep doing your best. Again, uh, like I want to have like a PSA on the screen. Like the, the, the words spoken by the host do not reflect what he is actually thinking. Yeah, I do not endorse this plan. However, I just want to get that out there so everyone understands that I think this is what's going on with management, and I think this is the approach that they're taking. I don't agree with it, but I think I've got a decent enough read of the situation, in large part because of the show that we did yesterday where we came in here and we we're like, what the hell's the plan? They're obviously not going to tell us. They're not going to be like, Halford Bruff, let's go for drinks. I'll give you the whole plan. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure it out, and I do we're think— We're halfway drink through. They're like, that's the plan. You're yeah. like, that's it. Can you guys finish that up and cover the tip? That would be great. But that's kind of where we're at with trying to figure things out, and I think I got a decent handle on it. And it is kind of scary because if you go back and just look at historically— um, teams really haven't had a lot of success with this. There's not. Just p- point to me to some teams where a new management group inherited a fairly 
established team, and that's what the Canucks were yeah, at that they've point. Been like, they've been around. Yeah. All the players have been around for a long time. And instead of going in a new direction, they tried to tweak and make some minor adjustments and cosmetic changes. Again, these guys inherited a group that had one brief playoff run in the bubble. Outside of that, a lot of playoff misses and a lot of losing. Exemplified by their captain, mm-hmm. who has been here for a lot of losses. Yeah, it's easier to go into a situation where, you know, Pittsburgh, for example, had a few years of struggling because they couldn't find enough support for Sid and Gino and and Latang. Mm-hmm. And then they improved with their AHL development and they made some smart trades. Like, you know, they put that entire HBK line together via trades with Kessel and Benino and Haglin, those were those were smart moves. Mm-hmm. But what they had, which gets us to the beginning of this conversation, was proven entities. Like no one was sitting there and going, "Do you think the Penguins, if they put together a really good supporting cast, could win a Stanley Cup with Sid and Gino sure. and Latang?" Because people would be like, uh, "They already did." Yep. So the answer is yes. Yeah, and to his credit, Rutherford and Alvin as well did a really good job of finding those surrounding pieces mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. A really good job, right? I guess if we were going to use um, the construction analogy, where do you renovate or tear it back to the studs? Uh, they would have been the guys that come in at the end and put down like the really nice marble flooring or countertops or <laughs> tile. You know, like they're the finishers. They're not. They and at least in Pittsburgh. They weren't the foundation setters. They weren't the guys doing the grunt work, laying um, concrete and, you know, out in the freezing cold, putting the framing of the wood on the house. They were finishers. That's what they did in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. The foundation was already there. I hope that analogy worked. Uh, But that was what they got. He's lauded for. That's what that group was lauded for in Pittsburgh. And make no mistake, they did a tremendous job, especially after they lost Latang to that injury. He piecemealed together a defense with Trevor Daly and Justin Schultz and handsome Ron Hainsey. Mm Mm-hmm where they just found a group that worked. He built a third line out of trades with Benino and but Haglund I, and Kessel. I always come back to he had Sid. But he had all he those had pieces Sid. in place. He had money, right? too. He, so, had, he had cap he had space. Flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so again, compare that to the situation that he inherited in Vancouver. I think that part of the sales job and part of the reason that he was here was that there was a belief, parties, and by this I mean ownership and management, that they could do it. That with the pieces that he had, the foundational pieces that he had here, Hughes, Pedersen, and Demko, that he was enough of a wheeler and dealer, and they were they had enough experience that they could build around those guys. I think you're 100% right. Now, I think the problem that they're facing right now is uh, flat cap has killed them. It hasn't allowed Rutherford to be Rutherford. Can't wheel or deal. Yeah. And you're looking at a team that is now the rot set in. Man, I'm using all the housing analogies today. Yeah. The rod is set in. The sump because, just overflowed. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> because the losing is eating away at a bunch of the guys' confidence. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, can't even get the contractor on the phone. <laughs> they've, they, they've had to move out. They're like The three best young prospects they have in the organization are Pod Colson, Hoaglander, and Rathbone. So you did, can make that argument. They've all had to be extricated from the team. So that they could rebuild their confidence down in the minors. At this point, is this just a write-off year for them? Then do you think? Do you think that's where they're at? They're like, look, we can't make any moves. We can't do any trades. We we gotta wait till they, the Boudreaux I, contract I, I, runs out. Is this just sort of like let's just wait till the end of the year and just you know whatever now at this point? I mean, maybe, but I don't think you can afford to think of it like that. And I'm pretty sure they're not thinking of it. They're, I don't think they're sitting there going like, 
well, I'm going to go to Mexico for a few months, right? Like, and <laughs> Sayonara. Because, you know, we'll, we'll oh, wait, that's Japan. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens uh, when we get back because this is a write-off year. What's going on right now is hurting the organization. It is hurting the business of the operation. And see, that's, only, the, re- that's you, the real rot right yeah, there that and, he's talking about. And you only Booze have to wonder. from the fans. You only have to wonder what Petey's thinking, mm-hmm. what Quinn Hughes is thinking. Like, you know, there are reports out there right now that Bo is just done. Like, he's done with Vancouver. It's, it's over. Now, I don't know if I believe those reports, but if they were true, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. by that. Uh, we'll talk to Thomas Drantz about all this. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, man, you're the best. Halford and Bruff.